Hello and welcome to Coughology. It's a podcast about coffee and science. And I have my first speaker with me today, Mel. Or should I say Dr. Melanie Walker? Yeah. Yeah, you're officially a doctor yeah, now. Yeah, I am. Very exciting. It is. <laughs> All right, so let's get the basics out of the way. We're in a coffee shop called 18 Grams Espresso near UNSW, which is where Mel works. And we have, what coffee have you ordered? A flat white, classic Australian flat white. <laughs> and I got a strong flat white because I like extra strength. Um, <laughs> well, I've already had two coffees today, so. <laughs> so, tell me about what you do, Mel. Um, so, I just finished my PhD in immunovirology and uh, we were designing a vaccine for hepatitis C virus, but in the really early stages. So I'm looking at neutralizing antibodies uh, in the very early stage of infection. Cool. Uh, so the thing with hepatitis C virus is that it's asymptomatic. Um, so it's really hard to get really early time points. So we have this great cohort in the prisons, uh, a captive audience, we like to say. And uh, we lead them every three months to see uh, if they've developed the virus and then if they have contracted the virus uh, we bleed them every week and so uh, we are able to look at really really early infection uh, in hep C and I'm looking at neutralizing antibody side. It's really cool that you're like using real humans so this is actually affecting real people and also it's a strange cohort that you've got there captured like in the prisons. Ethically speaking how does that work? Uh, so um, I didn't have much to do with the ethics side, but uh, what we're doing now is, so we enrolled them in 2005 until uh, 2016, and now we're treating them all. So there's these new hepatitis C virus drugs, so we've got some funding, uh, so all of these people in our cohort are going to be treated and they're going to be cured and not have hepatitis C virus anymore. Well that's awesome, yeah. so like that's actually helping real people. Exactly. But is it, so it won't be helping them with your antibody, it'll be helping them with other drugs that are currently on the Market. Yeah, yeah. So although we have all these new drugs that are pretty much going to cure Hep C, they're about a hundred thousand dollars US dollars for a twelve-week course. Oh, thank you. thank you. We just got our flat whites, by the way. They look delicious. Wait, wait, wait. We have to take photos of them before so that you can see on the website. Okay, we are back after taking photos of the delicious coffees. <laughs> what was I saying? Where um, was I? You were talking about... Uh, oh, the drugs. The drugs, yeah. yeah. So the drugs are really expensive, right? So they're about $100,000 US dollars per 12-week course. So although they're going to cure, they're so expensive that we can't treat everybody. Yeah. So Australia is a bit different uh, because a lot of it's going onto the pharmaceutical benefits scheme. That'll be good. Uh, but if you think about developing countries, it's just far too expensive. Uh, another problem is that there is reinfection. So once you're cured, you can still get infected again, which is why we really need a vaccine, which is why I'm working on a vaccine. Yeah, so the way a vaccine works, just for everyone out there, is that you can't be reinfected because your immune system attacks the virus before it infects you again. Just like a little FYI, and that's why vaccines are good, and we don't like anti-vaxxers. Absolutely. <laughs> So uh, on that note, how do you develop your vaccine? Like, how do you actually do the science? 
So we're in the really early stages of the vaccine development. So what we're looking at at the moment is just whether there are neutralizing antibodies really early in infection that are contributing towards clearance of the virus. Uh, and so what I found was that in subjects who clear, so 25% of people clear the virus and 75% of people develop chronic hepatitis. Yeah, that's horrible. That's a lot. It's a lot of people. Um, so I found that in those that clear, they have a really early neutralizing antibody response, whereas those that develop chronic don't have a neutralizing antibody response. So at the moment, we're kind of in the stages to work out why some people have the neutralizing antibody response and others don't. Uh, so we think it could be a few things. We think it could be genetics, but we also think that it could be the virus that you're infected with. So that's another thing I'm looking at. Um, whether the virus that you're infected with induces a stronger response. Is that because there's different um, viruses, like subspecies of the hepatitis C virus, or is that just like the way that you're infected? Um, so different subspecies. So pretty much we have genotypes, so it's like a family with cousins. Um, so. Yeah, and there's like a particular one or quite a few of them that actually um, generate the neutralizing, neutralizing antibody or something. So we think that they might have a certain phenotype um, for neutralizing antibody induction, but we haven't quite worked out what that what is. That is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sounds like something hard to do. <laughs> so what our plan for a vaccine would be is to use uh, the specific virus that induces a really strong neutralizing antibody response as a vaccine. Right, so you wouldn't um, try and make an antibody to go on the market, you would be using the, the virus itself to make it. Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, we could also make an antibody, but my work is more looking at the virus itself and why it's inducing these responses. Cool. Yeah. That's really awesome. You're doing really awesome work. <laughs> <laughs> so Mel, why did you get into science in the first place? Or why did you choose viral immunology in your um, PhD? Like why did you choose that as something to go into rather than all of the other things that you could have done? Uh, so there's a few reasons. A lot of people in my life, I think. So um, I had a really good science teacher in high school, so I decided to do a Bachelor of Science. Um, I really enjoyed virology. I don't know why, but I have always had a weird obsession with viruses and bacteria. No, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I really like parasitology, so we're, <laughs> we're all good. Ooh. You're on the same page. Yeah. Um, so I did both uh, virology and a bacteria course in undergrad, but I decided to do my honours. Um, in virology because I met, I interviewed a few honours supervisors and um, I met my PhD supervisor who at the time was my honours supervisor. Um, she's a really great mentor, uh, she is a very strong female character who I really look up to. So, What's her name? Just for uh, Rowena Ball. <laughs> So I did my PhD in School of Medical Sciences, but halfway through we moved to the Kirby Institute. So this is all at UNSW for like listeners. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that they did virology subjects at UNSW. I like we didn't have a virology subject. We had like microbiology and you could keep going in that, but I really didn't like micro, even though I demonstrated for it later on. It's very silly. Um, <laughs> I don't know, yeah, not many places have them. I really liked it. No, it's really it's cool. Good. Yeah, I'm jealous that I did not get to do that. I guess I focused more on the immunology because you know, oh, the immune yeah. system works. 
they cut some of our immunology courses actually. So Ooh. I only got to do one immunology because I wanted to major in it. Yeah, I, I loved immune. Yeah, immune so was my favorite and best subject at So actually, I, another reason why I chose to do my honors and then PhD in virology is because I came first in the course. Ah. And so I was like, I'm so good at this. I'm so good at this. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. It's a good choice. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll do this one. And you uh, fell into the hepatitis C research from your supervisor yeah. rather than like choosing a different virus. Yeah, so I had a choice in honours to do norovirus or hep C. Um, and I decided to go with hepatitis C virus because it's more well known, kind of a bit more interesting. Yeah, it's probably more impactful in the end. Yes, that's uh, it. But I ended, actually ended up doing my honours in both norovirus and hep C and I came around to norovirus in the end. <laughs> I quite liked it. I find that really interesting now too. So That's cool. So then um, I worked as a research assistant with Rowena for a year or two and then I decided to do a PhD. That's good. Yeah, I, yeah I, I feel like doing research assistant is way better before deciding. I've had friends who just went straight in and they found it like they're still doing their PhDs and they haven't, they started a year before me, mm. year before you obviously and um, we, we both took that time and that year and did uh, research assistants and, and I've almost completed mine and you're done so that's exciting. <laughs> Yeah, um, I really liked doing the research assistant year. It allowed me to make a decision because I wasn't sure about doing the PhD. Yeah. So once I did the research assistant year, um, I was able to get deeper into the research. I started to enjoy it a lot more and that's yeah. when I decided to do the PhD. And you, you normally get a lot more skills. I know, I, like, I learn a lot more skills in my research assistant year. But I, I moved labs as well, so it's very different. Yeah, absolutely. And I was able to publish a paper as well, so that really helped. helped. Yeah. yeah, I've got four papers out of my research. Yeah. 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 And uh, like uh, something that I collaborated on into my PhD from my re starting in my research assistant year has now about to be published. So, yeah, like all of my papers come from my one year as a research assistant rather than my PhD. <laughs> I kind of feel like that as well. Like, I did, I did so much in my research assistant year that. And I helped a lot of people do their yeah. experiments that I have a lot of papers that have come out throughout my entire PhD. Which yeah, is really good. Yeah. It like feels good. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so uh, now that you're done, what are your plans for like future? So... This might be a horrible, horrible question <laughs> to ask you. <laughs> no, not at all. So I have thought about it a lot, especially when I was writing up my thesis, I wasn't sure what I was going to do, because I found the thesis writing pretty hard, like a lot of people oh, do. Oh, it's horrible. It's a grueling process. It literally puts you on the edge of wanting to kill yourself. It's not great for your self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I was wondering about that, so I was like thinking and googling, but I always wanted to go to Europe and do something over there, but um, luckily... I had the opportunity to keep working after I finished at the current research institute I'm at with the same supervisors, yeah. um, which is really great. Um, and since going back into the lab and not writing my thesis anymore, I'm really enjoying the research. Again? Again. That's good. Yep. Yeah. So um, I'm going to stay there for a little while and then I'm going to look for a postdoc position in Europe. So you're heading down the road of academics. It seems that way, yeah. yes. Cool. <laughs> No, it's, it's a valid choice. I think most people do tend to do that. Um, 
but we're gonna hear a little bit later from people who uh, haven't chosen that route, which will be also fun to cover in this podcast. Yeah. Uh, so, well, I guess that's the end of the interview, yay. This has been Coughology with your host, Tess Whitwer, and my guest today, who is... Dr. Melanie Walker. <laughs> Woo! Okay. Uh, catch you next time. Thanks, Tess. Bye.